0: Thank you for that welcome and good morning. It is great to be with you and, uh, and to be with those who are live at our campuses at West Fort Worth and NRH. And for those who are part of our Keller campus, um, maybe who are watching online or live at one of our campuses, can we give some love to our Keller family one more time? Yes, we will be joining with you in prayer over these next three Weeks and uh, and I'm so grateful for Rick. I'm grateful for what he's going to be bringing next week with this brand new series, "Find Your One." Uh, he's been giving me little sneak peeks every now and then when we've touched base this summer, and uh, we are we are in for a great word from him. And he said that he's been watching these messages online, which means somewhere at some point he's with us right now. Can we give some love to our senior pastor? Yeah. Rick, we love you. We're excited to have you back uh, bringing the word next week. And for today, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 102, the 102nd Psalm. That's where we're going to finish our series, Highs and Lows. And while you're turning there to Psalm 102, this one last thing we can celebrate as a church. So, in the spring, we do something every year called our Renew Offering. If you're brand new with us, I'm so glad you're here. This is a one time offering that goes to nonprofit organizations, Renew Partners, who do work uh, in our community but also around the world. Every dollar that's given uh, to Renew Offering goes to these partners and to our relationship supporting them through Renew. Now, we gave you an initial update in the spring that our our first kind of initial total was uh, a little bit over $600,000. And so I wanted to give you an update here at the end of the summer as uh, all the last kind of donations have come in for Renew. And so Hills Church, I am so excited to let you know that this year you gave over a million dollars to Renew. a $1,058,215. Praise God. God, uh, I'm just always blown away by how God works through uh, this church family to give above and beyond uh, to bless our community uh, and, and to really be a witness to people around us. Because as a church, while God's been very gracious to us and we have so many resources to steward, uh, we're, we're not a church that just exists for ourselves. Hills members say Amen. No, we, we exist for the world that God loves, the world that Jesus died for. And so we, uh, we love these opportunities to give and to partner with groups that are doing great work. Eternity will be impacted because of how you participated in Renew. So thank you so much. Now, as we turn to Psalm 102, we are wrapping up the series Highs and Lows. The premise has been that God made us as emotional beings. That means whether we like it or not, we are going to spend a lifetime dealing with how we're feeling. And emotions sometimes feel like obstacles in our walk of faith. But in fact, we see in the songbook of Israel that emotions are meant to be, in fact, the the medium through which we meet God in some of the most intimate and honest ways. And so we've spent some time in highs and lows But if you spend much time in the Psalms, these 150 prayers and songs of God's people, you're gonna know that a lot of them don't fit neatly into one category or the other. They're not just highs and they're not just lows, there's kind of some that are a roller coaster of emotions. And that's very much true of the last Psalm we'll be in, Psalm 102. We'll begin in verse one. Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. In My distress, I groan aloud and am reduced to skin and bones. I'm like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears because of your great wrath. For you have taken me up and thrown me aside. We have once again a raw, honest prayer that if this were a roller coaster, this is the inverse of what roller coasters do. Roller coasters go up, 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 up before they begin to scoop down. This just goes down, down, down. Last week I noted that in our, in our modern worship Celebration, the highs, are the dominant form by which we uh, engage in worship as, uh, as a modern church uh, throughout, especially the West. And so I, I have felt that it's important to make space for both highs and lows to get equal play, but in some ways to let the lows uh, really be, be present throughout much of this series. Because I believe that these prayers, they help us know how much God sees us. You know, there's there's a, a, a listening skill that's called reflection, and it's just being a mirror to what you hear from somebody across from you. So, if somebody says, oh, I'm in a lot of pain, reflection is just saying, man, it sounds like you're hurting. You're not contributing something new to the conversation. You are just helping them feel understood. But There's something that that in some parenting books I read about that that might be called preemptive reflection, because when you are talking to a young child who developmentally may not have the words, if you walk up to the three-year-old and say, well, what's wrong? If that child doesn't have the language yet to be able to describe what they're feeling, then having someone ask that question makes them feel misunderstood and even more alone. But when, but when you walk up and looking at the situation, you practice preemptive reflection and you say, oh, you, you are upset because you spilled your drink and you're embarrassed because your brother laughed. That's a hypothetical, by the way. That would never happen in my home. <laughs> but when you say that to the, to the little child with the developing mind, they feel more known and closer to you because they know that they're seen and understood Prayers like this are our Heavenly Father's divine act of reflection so that we can know in the lows of life, in in pain, in struggle, God sees us. He's he's put these here for us to meet Him in the midst of pain. It also helps us understand what's welcome inside prayers to God. I had somebody reach out to me earlier in the series when we talked about the lows and said how much this was formative for them because they had grown up in a household that had a certain maxim. I believe some of you might actually know it. So live at our campuses, would you finish this for me? If you don't have anything nice to say, that's right. Your heavenly father doesn't have that rule when we enter in prayer. No, the, the Psalms show us that there, there are some things that we can say that might seem offensive or questionable or accusatory that are full of pain and, and grief and confusion. But in this prayer, there is an immediacy to the pain of how things are for this person right in that moment. Because if you're taking notes, pain lives in the present tense. It's true, pain lives in the present tense. Now, there can be trauma or regret or wounding from our past, but that causes pain in the present tense. There can be fear or worry or anxiety about the future, but, but that still causes pain in the present tense because pain is a present experience. Pain is right here, right now. And there's something unique about this painful prayer. I don't know if you noticed the introductory note at the beginning of Psalm 102. Throughout the 150 psalms, there's different notes at the beginning because these were used as public worship. And so there's notes about the music. There's notes about the person who wrote the psalm or the the occasion on which this psalm was written. But all of them are descriptive. Here's where the psalm came from. Here's the style you're supposed to sing it to. But Psalm 102 has a note that is prescriptive. Look at this. A prayer of an afflicted person who has grown weak and pours out a lament before the Lord. This is who the psalm is intended for. It's the kind of person in the kind of moment for which this prayer was intended. That in the present tense of pain and struggle and weakness this is the kind of prayer that can be poured out to God. Just a few, a few notes for those who, as, as we listen to these words in those first 10 verses, that help us understand the pain expressed. You hear the language of, of heat and burning. Some speculate, maybe this is somebody who's having an illness, a, a fever of some kind, or maybe that's just a metaphor for their emotional affliction. Three different times it's repeated this reference to To birds, to to this desert owl, to a bird alone on a roof, while the poetry itself is gripping and paints a picture. For a Jew listening to this psalm, these these references to these birds have spiritual significance because these were birds who are understood to be ceremonially unclean. Why that's significant is not just that this person feels alone like a bird all out on the desert in the ruins. It also means spiritually, I'm in so much pain, I don't even feel like I'm welcome into God's community. That's how alone she feels. And so the last thing is there is a theme of time. We see these, this language of days that vanish like smoke, this quickly passing human life, which culminates in verse 11. My days are like the evening shadow, I wither away like grass. Oh, in this kind of a Texas summer, <laughs> watching that, maybe you've been watching your grass wither away day after day, but no matter the weather. With the big canvas of the sky that we have, as the sun sets, you watch those shadows get longer and longer before they dissipate. This is the imagery used. And yet after this turn of here's my life that's just going so fast now at all campuses, read these words with me in verse 12. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever... Your renown endures through all generations. Oh, this is the hinge point for this prayer, this complaint from an afflicted person who begins to see a new perspective because nothing will shift your perspective like the greatness of God. Nothing will shift your perspective like looking and seeing here's who God is. But you, Lord, now I'm not looking at my own pain, I'm not looking at my own issues, but as I fix my eyes on you, oh, there's no comparison game here. See, my, my life, it might be vanishing smoke, but your renown endures. My, my days are few, but you are enthroned forever. And out of this, there is a new form as the roller coaster of emotions begin to lift up Looking at the God who is enthroned on high. Verse 13, you will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come, for her stones are dear to your servants. Her very dust moves them to pity. The nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. This prayer has shifted. As the the psalmist looks at the God who is enthroned, now there's this... New kind of language. If pain was in the present tense, we notice that this psalm has not only been lifted up to the heights of where God is, it's, it's also been changed from an individual cry to something on behalf of a people. See, pain not only keeps us in the present tense, but often isolates us and makes us just think about us. But as the psalmist sees God enthroned over all generations, there is a prayer for all people, for nations and generations. And on top of that, there has been a shift. This prayer has done some time travel. Do you notice this language? All of these will or shall statements, depending on your translation, God, you will arise The nations will fear the name of the Lord. The kings of the earth will revere your glory. The Lord will rebuild. There's a time travel component that's unique because when pain is our present, sometimes we have to worship in the future tense. Sometimes what we have to do is say, God, here's what my life looks like right now. And it's painful and it's hard. And here's what a lot of Psalms do. We saw this earlier in this series, like Psalm 77, a lot of Psalms say, God right now hurts really bad. So you know what, I'm gonna look back. I'm gonna look back at your faithfulness, back at what you've done to be able to rescue your people. And because God, if you did it then, then you can do it now. And that's a good way to pray. But Psalm 102 is different. Psalm 102 doesn't reference the resume of redemption that God has. Psalm 102 says, God, it hurts here right now. But when I look ahead, At the unchanging, transcendent God, because you keep your promises, because you're faithful, God, I believe what you will do, even though I can't see how you're going to do it. God, I claim the promises that you will keep, even though I'm not sure how it will come to pass. In fact, in this future tense worship, there's this, this resilience that says, God, I believe that you could actually do it right now. That you could do Something today that will echo into tomorrow. That out of your saving work today, for me, right now, there's some way you're going to impact future generations and peoples from other lands. This is the word of Psalm 102 that that continues. Listen to this language. Verse 18 gets even more future-focused. Let this be written for a future generation. That a people not yet created May praise the Lord. And this is their song. Verse 19. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. Oh, this, this prayer just went from, from the pits of despair to the heights of God enthroned, now spanning into the future. And the, and the time travel keeps happening. We go to the future, and the psalmist says, would you pick out a generation that doesn't even, that it isn't even breathing yet, that hasn't been made yet, and would you someday let them sing about what happened today in my present pain? God, would you do this? In the future, would you you act in such a way that a people not yet created would worship about the delivering work I believe you can do right now in my life? What happens here is that the psalmist basically goes, God, I believe you can take the prayer of this afflicted one and make it the praise of future generations. That's what God, who is sovereign over time, can do. And, And if you want an example... I I was thinking about this. Maybe, maybe you know the story of Horatio Spafford. Lived in the 1800s. He was a Chicago businessman and follower of Jesus. Horatio and his wife Anna had five children, one son and four daughters. Now, when their son was just four years old, he died from scarlet fever. Horatio and Anna grieved their son And just a year later, in October 1871, there was a massive fire that swept through the city of Chicago, devastating many of the businesses that the Spaffords owned and operated, and they lost a fortune. Two years after that, they were going on a holiday to England. Horatio's wife, Anna, and their four daughters went ahead while Horatio had to finish some business. And on their transatlantic voyage... Their vessel was hit by an iron sailing ship. And the ship went down. Horatio waited stateside with bated breath for any news of what happened to his wife and his girls. And he was so relieved to get a telegram from his wife only to see that the words that she used were saved alone. Racked with grief, he got on the next ship across the Atlantic to be with his wife and grieve the loss of their daughters. And while he was crossing the sea, across the ocean, at one point the captain of his ship called him to the bridge and let Horatio Spafford know that they were about to cross the very waters where his daughters had been lost at sea. And it is said that He stood out there, praying, grieving, and then on that same trip, penned these words. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, you sing it? When sorrows like sea billows roll Whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say Did you know? Did you know that you were among the generation not yet created when God took the afflicted prayer, the painful cry of a father grieving and turned it into praise for future generations? Oh, this is the faithfulness of our God who can meet us in seasons of pain. and, And that doesn't mean that the story's over. In fact, it means that the God who transcends time itself is able to do something in the future that we can only pray towards. We don't even know how to imagine it. This is the place from where this afflicted one, this this daughter of God, this son of God, is, is praying, reaching out to God, saying, God, I'm claiming something in the future for generations that I might not even get to see. Because right after this beautiful picture of what God's going to do, Psalm 23 plummets right back down to the current circumstances. Verse 23, In the course of my life, he broke my strength. He cut short my days. Many of you know what it's like to feel your strength broken. Some of you know what it's like to get the diagnosis or the news that makes you feel like, God, are my days about to be cut short? And many of us have grieved and prayed and supported friends and family members and coworkers who get news that changes their timeline of how long they're going to live. And in that place, the psalmist can say, God, this isn't fixed. And I still don't know how many days I have left. But though I'm in days that make my days feel numbered, here's what I can pray. Verse 24. So I said, do not take me away, my God, in the midst of my days. Your years go on through all generations. In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, and they will be discarded, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence Their descendants will be established before you. Oh, with a situation and a present pain that is unresolved, this worn out worshiper says, God, I'm still going to claim what you can do. And that is because no present pain compares to God's eternal promise. No present pain compares to the eternal promises of the God who is enthroned over all of history. The God who is known and meant to be known by every nation and every generation. No, he is a promise-keeping God, an all-powerful God. A God who could change mountain ranges like we change bedsheets. A God who is so powerful, so merciful that he's not going to despise the prayer of the afflicted but turn it into future praise. Oh, when we believe this, it means that I can lament in the present tense but I can worship in the future tense and I can fix my eyes on an unchanging, merciful, loving God who will keep his promise. Because when when you and I, man, this, this is a, a psalm that was for Israel first. But follower of Jesus, this is for you and me today. And I, I just want us to look back and you may not be a follower of Jesus right now, listening to my voice online or in person. I'm so glad you're listening. But I really believe you can't fully understand what's in all of the psalms unless you start looking for Jesus there. And if you are a follower of Jesus, would you just look back at these verses and see the work of your Messiah? Because when, when we look at this, it makes me realize the one enthroned forever embraced the vanishing smoke of human existence. The Lord of all eternity was bound by time and space God in the flesh. And this unchanging God to save us, let his days be cut short. Jesus was 33 years old when he became the afflicted one. When he grew weak and poured out his lament before the Lord on his way to the cross saying, God, take this cup from me, but not what I will let your will be done. Jesus became the lonely and abandoned one who had no one with him except those who would mock and curse him. He groaned aloud when they beat him. He faced the taunts and curses. He took the wrath of God that we deserve. He was lifted up when they put him on a cross. He was cast aside when they put him in the grave. And then three days later, he resurrected, rebuilding something better than Zion. Oh, Jesus rebuilt our hope, our future, and he will reappear in glory. So he came and he set the prisoners free. You and I were condemned to death, and he came to do it. And now we, are future generations, praising Jesus for what he did back then at the appointed time, to meet us in our time of need, to meet us in our pain. Oh, the unchanging God he came to change the world. The unchanging God came to change the course of history. The unchanging God came to change you and me. And because of that, oh man, there, there is no high we could express in worship that is high enough for the exalted God of all creation. And there is no low that we could find ourselves in where he will not meet us, where he has not gone before us through death on the cross and burial in the grave. No, it means it means I can come to my savior and the highs and lows, oh they they will honor him if I just bring them into his presence. But Psalm 102 says, my emotions don't get the last word. Because these psalms, they can help us pray, but they are not about us. No, the psalms, from Psalm 102 to Psalm 1 to Psalm 50, 150, they are about God. They're about Jesus. He is the hero of the story. And that means, that means we can trust him with what we can't see and maybe with some of what scares us the most. It means that there is, there's a young person, a teenager who, looking out at their life ahead of them, maybe is just terrified at the thought of, I'm, I'm afraid of screwing up. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm not going to live up to the potential people tell me I have. I'm just, I'm not sure. And man, there's a God who's faithful. And he'll be present with you as he's been present with everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. And your worth and value is not first and foremost in you living up to your potential. It is in the fact that the God of all creation loves you and calls you his own. And it means that for for the grandparent who looks at their granddaughter, their grandson, and wonders, man, what kind of a world are they going to grow up in? And I'm so worried about them. And how how are they going to follow God? It means... You can trust God with the future because he holds time itself in his hands. It means for the parent who goes, I don't don't know. I don't know how to try and disciple my kids into a world that looks so different than the one I grew up in. It means God will be with you and God will be with them. And when we zoom out, it means it's not just for. The grandkids or the great grandkids. It's for the great, 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 great. -great -great. I could do this all day. Great Great, 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 great grandkids. That if Jesus hasn't come back yet, Psalm 102 will still be proven as a way God has been faithful with each generation who calls on his name. That's what we can claim, worshiping in the future tense. And so I want to invite you. Close your eyes for a moment. And between you and God, would you just name before the Lord the pain or struggle that has been wearing you out and dominating your present? Just tell him how it feels. And now ask God, God, what of your promises do you want me to claim today for the future? God, what of your promises do you want me to remember? Lord, I thank you that you are a promise-keeping God, that you are a God who is sovereign over every nation and every generation. And so, Lord, we, we thank you that you don't ignore the prayers that come from us in our weakest moments, but you listen, you respond, you restore. We believe it, Lord, even in the midst of times when we can't feel it. God, I pray for future generations. We entrust generations not yet created to you, that they will live in your presence, that they will be a light to the nations, that they will sing about redemptive things you do in our day and age. We ask for it, God, by faith in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for the person who does not know you as Lord and Savior. May they see Jesus in a new light today as the one who transcends all of history, but who entered this world to bring them into eternity. And God, would you help all of us learn to trust you with the highs and lows, but not let emotions be what? Define our days, but give us a vision of who you are on the throne, a promise-keeping generation blessing, God. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.